Good morning. I hope you are doing well. Happy Memorial Day uh, weekend to you. It's good for us just to be reminded of all of the men and the women who have uh, made an ultimate sacrifice uh, for us, like Alex just prayed, to be uh, able to worship uh, together. It's for us, I think it's an echo of the ultimate sacrifice, right, that was prayed, that was uh, uh, given by our Savior for us so that we could come uh, to know God. So my name is Dean, by the way, if this is today, day number one for you, I'm the lead pastor here um, at LifePoint, and you have joined us in the middle of a series called Labels, where we are moving, uh, kind of working our way through the Gospel of Luke. And kind of the overarching theme every week is this idea that the Gospel calls us to a life that's above labels. Now, if you've been following along for a bit, um, we're going to jump out of order today. Uh, we're going to skip. Last week we were in Luke chapter 4. Today we're jumping to Luke chapter 8. Next week we'll come back and we'll get right on track. It's a calendar thing coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, the reason that we call the series Labels is because for some of us, we resonate with Luke's gospel in that Luke writes to people. He writes not necessarily as much to Hebrews, but he writes about Gentiles, people who maybe um, are not just non-Hebrew, but people who feel isolated, who feel too far from God, maybe a little bit a little bit too prodigal in some ways, and we all feel that um, at times. And so as Luke writes, this gospel for us, for a lot of us, I think makes uh, a lot of sense. And so we push back every week against a label. And so the one that I, I kind of want to, to push back against today is um, this idea, the best way I can say it is complexity. Uh, maybe it's a sense of, of competence. You know, there are some of us who say, you know what, um, I, just, I just don't know how to read the Bible and understand it. Like, it's, it's too hard for me to understand. It's just, it's too complex. And the reality is that um, the garden variety, everyday Christian, any of us and all of us have the capacity to hear and understand God's Word. And that's important because God's Word is God's voice. And a lot of times people will say to me, how, how do I know if this is God speaking to me or if this is just me or I don't, I don't understand how I know. And God's word, right, is, is his voice. It's God's, it's God's speaking um, to, to us. And so as we move through um, this gospel, we are, we are hearing from God. Um, I want that for your life. I certainly want that um, for, for my life as well. When people ask me that question, I, I'm kind of, sometimes I'll say it's the difference between um, FM radio in your car and SETI, right? Turn the radio on in your car, you get a bunch of different channels, all kinds of ads and marketing and all this. There's lots of noise there. SETI is very different. S-E-T-I, searching for extraterrestrial intelligence. There's a group of scientists for the last 70 years. They have been sending out signals throughout the galaxy trying to see if there is extraterrestrial, non-earthly life out there. So they're sending messages and they're constantly scanning uh, the universe. They are listening to see if somebody communicates back to us. They're frustrated. They call it the quote-unquote great silence and they cannot understand why nobody else has reached back out in 70 years because there are evidently there's a hundred billion other planets out there that would fit uh, life like our planet um, has life and so they they just don't figure out why, why is it another planet reached back out to us. I think two things about that. Number one, do we really want to communicate with aliens? 
Because I've watched the movies and it does not end well, right, for us. So that's number one. But number two, I thought maybe, just maybe, um, they are communicating with each other. And, you know, every decade or so, right, somebody sees a UFO and they take a picture and it's really obscure. Maybe that is um, extraterrestrial life. And maybe every decade or so they come down and they check in on us and, and they're like, no, not that planet. No, those people are weird. Like, they're jacked up down there. Don't go. We're kind of like the kid in kindergarten, right, who gets caught picking his nose, right, that the extraterrestrials are communicating with each other. Like, don't talk to the booger planet, right? Like, you just want to, they want to leave us out of the equation. I think for us, um, the reality is that we can't make God speak, right? What we can do is we can scan, and we can listen, and we can make sure that our hearts are tuned in. It's, um, it's gardening season. Maybe that's a better, better example for you. And you know, I've got a friend who says every garden is a gamble, right? You can do everything you can do. You can get good soil. You can get the right seeds. You can give it plenty of water. You can fertilize it, weed it, do all those things. But you can't make seeds grow. You do what you can do, and then you got to leave the rest up to the garden. And it's very similar with God. We can't make God speak, but we can create an environment to hear when he's ready to speak. So one of the big ideas for us today, I think that Jesus is going to communicate to us, is that hearing from God is more of a condition than it is a conclusion. We want conclusions. We want to ask God a question and God give us a conclusion, right? We want God, God, what do I do here? Which is our way of saying, God, how am I, tell me the way that it's going to make me successful and then I'll go, I'll go execute. But what we're going to learn today, that it's more of a condition of our hearts than it is just a conclusion that we receive. We're going to look at a parable today, and in my mind, it's one of the most important. There's only six parables that are listed in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Only six. This is one of them. To some of you, it'll be a very familiar parable. To some of you, maybe this will be the first time um, that you've ever heard it. But Jesus is going to help us answer uh, this question. Luke chapter 8, if you have a copy of the scriptures, go ahead and turn over there. And we'll begin reading in verse, uh, in verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. Jesus is going to teach us today that it's the condition of your soul that determines the impact of your life. The condition of your soul, or in this case, soil, is going to determine the impact of your life. It's not, um, it's not your 401k portfolio. Matter of fact, I know it's not that, or I hope it's not that, because it's in bad shape uh, right now. So it's not that. It's not your look. It's not the success or failure um, of your children. It's not all of the promotions that you get. None of those things don't determine the impact of your life. It's the condition of your soul. So Jesus here is teaching on the plains of the Sea of Galilee. So what do we know about that? As he's teaching, there would have been, in the surrounding invisible sight, there would have been farmers. There would have been birds. There would have been rocks. There would have been bushes. There would have been thorns. There would have been all these things. And it's almost like Jesus, as he's teaching, looks at the crowd and he's like, Hey, you know, a farmer. Let's talk about the farmer who goes out and sows his seed. And what he's going to do is he's going to tell us that the four kinds of soil are descriptive of four 
different kinds of souls. And then it's going to be in, uh, incumbent upon you and me to answer the question, which kind of soil best describes my soul, my current condition, my, my heart? So here's the first one um, in, uh, at the end of verse 5. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. So the first kind of soil he talks about is path. Now, in their world, this would make um, a lot of sense. They didn't have paved roads like we have paved roads, but people constantly walked similar paths. So that would have been compacted down. It would have felt like granite, right? And he says, as the sower is sowing some of the seeds, they fall on the path. And when they fall on the path, the birds come and the birds devour it, right? So that the seed can't do what the seed was intended to do. So Jesus is saying to us, there are some of our souls that are like that. They are impenetrable, hard as granite. And there's a great example of this, or at least in my mind, in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 22. Um, there's a situation where the king of Midian is going to go to war with the people of Israel, and he wants to get a Hebrew prophet to prophesy on his side, thinking that's going to help him win the war. So he pays a Hebrew prophet a bunch of money, a guy named Balaam. And he asks Balaam to come to Midian to prophesy against his own people. Balaam gets on a donkey. He's headed to Midian. God obviously is not in favor of this. So God puts an angel in the way of the donkey on the way, uh, on Balaam's way to Midian. Balaam can't see it. Donkey can't see it. So the donkey just stops in his tracks. He kind of pulls off to the side of the road, and Balaam just, he whips the donkey to get it to, to move. He doesn't, he doesn't understand. And so the angel moves back a little bit. Donkey takes a few steps forward and stops again. Balaam whips the donkey again. He's frustrated. He's like, what is, what is going on? Angel moves back. This happens three different times. And instead of Balaam stopping and saying, wait a minute, you know, Given the SETI scan, right? Is this God speaking to me? Is something going on right now? Am I, maybe I'm taking the wrong step. Maybe I'm making the wrong move. Instead of doing that, he's just heart hardened like granite, just plowing forward. I think it was Charles Spurgeon, a great uh, English uh, preacher, Great Britain at the London Tabernacle from a couple of centuries ago, commenting on Numbers chapter 22. He used the king's English very well whenever he said, who is the real ass in the story, right? And some of us, that is us, right? Our hearts are hard. These are people who tend to see the worst in others before giving opportunity to see the best. These are, these are people who are bitter and cynical, critical. Like that's uh, not just something that happens maybe in their lives, but that's characteristic of their hearts. Jesus says that can, that can be, that can become us. It's path. Here's the second kind of soil in verse 6. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Jesus says that some of our souls are like, are like the seed that fell on the rocks. So it falls down in and immediately springs up, right? Because it's, the soil is very shallow on top, so it springs up. But then when it gets hot, Jesus is going to say it, it, it just withers. And that's really descriptive of those of us who get really, really excited about things. And then when it gets tough, we just really drop things. It's this kind of up and down, up and down, up and down nature all the time. It's excitement without, um, without endurance. 
It's that part of us that feels entitled to a blesser and is maybe not as interested in a redeemer. That part of us that sees ourselves more as sufferers in need of a solution than we are as sinners who are in need of a savior. It's just our hearts are just thin. They're, they're, they're shallow. That's the second kind. Third kind comes up in verse 7. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. The third kind of the soil Jesus describes are thorns. And so the seed falls on good ground, right? It penetrates deeply into the soil, begins to grow up, but thorns grow up around it. And the thorns eventually choke out the life of the plant. And when Jesus describes the parable later on, here's what he says. He says the thorns are the distractions of this world. They're the cares of this world. And I think for a lot of us, um, maybe for all three of these first soils that we've talked about, living in South Delaware County where we live, this one is probably the most, the most prevalent. We are so busy. We are in a hurry all the time. And to hear God's voice, to reckon it right, to apply it to your life takes time. It takes space. And so many of us just flood our lives. We layer, 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 and we try and do the max all the time instead of taking the opportunity to create space to hear. We have, we have hurry sickness. Um, Carl Jung was a, uh, one of the fathers of modern psychology and uh, a believer, and here's what he says. He says, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. For most of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, it is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Jesus was often busy, but he was never hurried. Being busy is an outer condition. Being hurried is a sickness of the soul. He observed regular rhythm of withdrawal from activity for solitude and prayer. He ruthlessly eliminated hurry. From his life. And I think for you and me, that is always going to be a challenge. We have got to kill some thorns. We have got to create some space to hear God's voice. And by hear God's voice, right? His voice is his word, right? To hear from his word and say, how does that, how does that apply to me? There's a fourth kind of soil in verse 8. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded um, a hundredfold. Jesus describes this fourth kind of soil. The seed, it's not, uh, it falls on the ground, ground's not hardened, seed goes down, it's not shallow, it's deep, it grows up, the ground is cultivated so there aren't weeds, there aren't thorns choking its life. And here's what Jesus says, that kind of life, that kind of soil, that kind of soul, it's multiplied. It leaves the kind of legacy that we are all interested, right, in leaving the condition of your soul will determine the impact or the legacy of your life. Four different kinds of soil. Which kind describes you best? Jesus gives us the point of the parable, right? Parable is a story with a, with a single point, lots of descriptors in it, but, but, one, but one point. It's in verse 11. Jesus says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Um, we talk a lot about different theological conclusions 
And sometimes we miss this one. It's really important what we believe about the Bible, about, about the Scriptures. You can read way more about this on our website, but we say that we believe in the plenary verbal inspiration of Scripture. Now, we'll just break that down. Plenary, that means complete, whole, all of it. Verbal means direct communication, inspiration, inspired by the creator of the universe, God, the only one who can give us ultimate truth. So you slam all that together. What does that mean? That means we believe that all of the scriptures, all the Bible, even the parts that we don't like sometimes, that all of the Bible was directly communicated by God through the hands of men because he's the only one that has the authority to create and deliver truth to us such that what you and I have in God's word is exactly what God wanted us to have. It is his, um, it's his voice to us, his communication um, to us. So in light of that, I want to give us three applications real quick this morning for this parable. The first one is daily. Daily. Um, the New Testament says, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. The New Testament picks up on an illustration. Just like babies need food, right? You and I need God's word. Now, right now in our country, there's a, there's a baby formula shortage, right? Everybody's, everybody's nervous. Everybody's concerned. And rightly so, because infants, babies, they need to be fed. And they don't just need to be fed like once a week, right? They need to be fed every day. And over and over and over again. And just like babies need food, just like infants need to be fed, my soul and your soul needs God's Word. So that was why phase one of what we've done in this label series is incredibly important. We've read through the Gospel of Luke devotionally over 30 days in the month of May together. Congratulations to those of you who have completed it. Incredible job. And if you're a little bit like me, I'm a little bit skeptical um, at times, you may wonder, did anybody, did anybody really, really do that? And so I'll show you some pictures behind me. Last Sunday across our campuses, we asked for everybody to raise their hand, right? Um, if they had read at least one chapter, hopefully more chapters than that. And you'll see from these pictures that we are engaging God's Word together. So today is kind of a celebration of that. We finished yesterday um, uh, the last chapter of Luke reading devotionally, and if you're thinking, well, you know, I mean, I just came a week ago or two weeks ago. I hate that I missed out on that. Lucky you, you haven't missed out on anything, right? Because we're moving kind of from phase one to phase two, and in the second phase, which kind of brings me to the second application word. First word is daily. Second word is prayerfully. Prayerfully. Starting this Wednesday, June 1st, we are going to begin together as a church body to not just have read God's word, but we're going to go back and we're going to pray it. And so what I'm going to encourage you to do is to go all the way back to Luke chapter 1, Wednesday. Uh, maybe you start Wednesday morning, afternoon, evening, whenever that is. Uh, regularly set time for you, whatever your rhythm is. We're going to go all the way back to Luke chapter 1. And the things that we read about God, the things that we learned about God, we're going to begin to pray those things into, into our lives. So I'm going to get out my uh, Jesus Bible journal, the NIV version. If you just come recently, you can easily get one of these um, on Amazon and jump in, and you can read it and pray it along with us. But my conclusions uh, from Luke chapter 1 
um, which, by the way, we jumped in the deep end of the pool. Luke chapter 1 is the longest chapter uh, in the New Testament, right? So if you made it past Luke chapter 1, you're kind of golden from there. Three conclusions for me from Luke chapter 1. Number one, we have the favor of the Father. We talked about that, right, last Sunday um, here. We have the favor of the Father. No prayer is wasted. That's Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. And what God is doing in my life today, he started a long time ago. Those three things. So Wednesday morning, what I'm going to do, grab my journal, I'm going to get it out, and I'm going to take those conclusions, and I'm going to turn those into a prayer. There's a note section here in the back. If you want to do that digitally, if you want to do that a different way, do it a different way. I'm going to write mine out here in the back um, in the notes section. So I'm going to pray something along the lines of, God, today I'm walking in your favor. I'm not a failure. Based on what I know of Jesus on the cross, you've loved me today such that I'm repenting, turning away from my sin, turning away from my failure, and I'm going to live today like a son, not like a slave. So because of that, God, I believe right now, no prayers wasted. This time's not wasted. This time's invested. This is not a thing I'll do today. This is probably the most important thing that I'm going to do today because, God, what I really want is I want to see. I want to see that the things that you're doing in my life today, you started those years and years, decades, centuries ago. What you're doing in my life today is a product of what you have been doing. So I want to seti today, right? I want to scan. I want to be aware of anything and everything, God, that you're doing in my life today. So we're going to take these conclusions about God, and we're going to turn those into conversations with God. Make sense? Take the conclusions, and then we're going to turn those into a conversation. What you're going to hear me say for Um, the rest of the summer months as we journey through Luke. We're going to read it in, pray it up, and live it out. Read it in, pray it up, live it out. Say that with me on three. Read it in, pray it up, live it out. That was lame. Let's say it again on three. Read it in. I I didn't even count, did I? That's my fault. One, two, three. Read it in, pray it up, live it out, right? I think that's what we are called to devotionally. God's voice, God's word, read it into our lives, pray it back to him, and as we pray it back to him, ask for God to change us in the middle of it, and then we go out, that's gonna be phase three. We'll talk about that really more so in the month of August and talk about different ways practically that we can do just that, that we can, that we can go and that we can live it out. If you wanna know, man, Dean, I'm not sure how to connect God's word with the way that I pray. Um, our worship and arts team has done an incredible job of, uh, they've provided five different videos that are available on our social media platforms right now. They're also available on our website, lifepointohio.com, on our blog page, so forward slash blog, and you can see different people, different wirings, and how they connect God's Word with prayer back uh, to Him. One of those I thought was incredibly interesting. You know, we're all wired um, differently, right? Um, Shelly Ziegler, from our Delaware campus, she kind of has the heart of an artist. And so as you watch her walk through um, her devotional life one day, what she does is she draws out her prayer. As she prays, she draws, and she creates kind of a picture of what it is that she does. So maybe that's your bent. Maybe you have more of an artistic bent, and so maybe you're going to be drawn to that and maybe taking steps to creatively live out your devotional life, to read God's word in, and to pray it back back up. Those are 
available there to you. And that takes me to the third conclusion, right? Daily, prayerfully, and then um, the third conclusion is repeatedly. Repeatedly. It's not just that we need to pray once a day, right? In our devotional time. But we want to be in regular communication with God. So I want to jump uh, forward just a little bit in the Gospel of Luke to chapter 10. I know we're not there yet, but I want to read a verse to you. Luke chapter 10, verse 2 says this, And he, he, Jesus, said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Repeatedly. Not just once a day, but stay in communication. So here's what I want to ask us to do as a church family. I've already done it um, for myself personally, but starting this Wednesday, June 1st, I'm going to ask us to set an alarm every day at uh, 10.02. 10.02 a.m. every day for Luke 10.2. And what we're going to pray together as a church body every day is this prayer. We're going to pray, Lord would you send forth laborers into your harvest? You say, Dean, why would we pray that? Well, to my knowledge, this is the only prayer that Jesus ever commanded us to pray. It wasn't a, hey, if you want to, Jesus said, pray this, right? Here's what we're going to do. You're going to pray. It's a command from Jesus to pray that he would send forth more laborers, more servants, more people working in this harvest of souls, this variety of souls, these, these different kinds of soils that can be transformed, that can be changed into, into good, good soil. So Wednesday morning, 10.02, that alarm's going to go off on my calendar, and all of a sudden it'll just be a check-in moment between me and God, right? It'll just be a moment, um, it'll be a moment to pray. Maybe I'm going to pray my conclusion uh, from that morning. Maybe I'm just going to pray, God, would you send forth? I'm, I'm not asking you <laughs> to start a prayer meeting every day until like you you're in the boardroom, right? You're in the middle of a meeting. I'm not asking you to, everyone, please stop for a minute. Everyone bow your heads. That's all. I'm not asking you to do that. It's a check-in. It's, listen, God, I'm scanning, right? Right now, seti, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm listening. Are you speaking to me right now? Is there something going on in my character right now that needs to be adjusted, that needs to be changed? Is there something in my life right now that's just, that's bitter, hard, impenetrable? God, that I need to allow you to work in. Is there something in my heart that's shallow? God, where I'm just taking my selfish look, my selfish view of this. God, am I just so distracted that I haven't even thought about you today. I haven't even prayed yet today. This is my moment, God. I want to check in because what I want to do is I want to hear from you. The things that you're doing in my life today, you've been doing those so long. I don't want to miss anything that you are doing in my life today. So every day, we're going to do it for a month, right? For the month of June, every day, 10.02, check in, pray. And we're going to pray that God would increase the number of people that he is sending. You say, well, why would we pray that? Why does God want us to pray that? Because I don't know about your life. But what I know about my life is the more that I pray Luke 10 to, that God would send forth, the more I become the answer to my own prayers. The more I'm going to be connected to the mission that God is on in the world. Now, go back just for a second to that whole idea um, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow. The expectation, right, of a, of a child. If you're here, you're a parent, a teacher, a coach. The expectation that you have over time, right, is that your uh, students, players, and children 
will take ownership of the things that you're teaching them, right? You're not trying to keep them dependent on you forever. You're trying to give them the knowledge, skills, and abilities to make their own decisions in crisis crucial moments. It's just like eating, right? It's a great it's a great illustration, babies, right? So babies, you feed them, feed them, feed them, but your expectation is that as they grow, they learn how to feed themselves. It's a very important skill as, uh, to become an adult that you learn how to feed yourself, right? If you don't learn how to feed yourself, right? If you have a, let's say you've got a, an 18-year-old, uh, you've got an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old who cannot feed themselves, what do you, what do you call them? A Clemson fan. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, Clemson fans love you. Clemson fans eat a lot. They eat a, they eat a lot. Um, what, what do you say? You say there's some delay there, right? Developmentally, that's going to be a challenge that you're going to have to work your way through. They're going to need some, some extra, maybe assistance or help. I think it is the expectation of God. It is the expectation of God that we, his children, learn how to feed ourselves. And some of us have been Christians five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And the only nourishment spiritually that we get is by showing up here on Sundays once a week, having somebody else provide spiritual nourishment for you. Now, Sundays are important. Sundays are the opportunity for us to gather, to worship together. But what's really great is that when we all show up and we bring our worship from our week together and Sunday is the culmination of worship that's been going on all week long. The expectation of eternity is that we become that, that we become self-leaders, that we grow up into faith. There's another interpretation um, of the parable. Some uh, scholars think that when Jesus says that the seed is the word, that Jesus is saying capital W word. That John chapter 1 word. John chapter 1 says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. That's a reference to the word being the person of Jesus. The word being the communication of God uh, to us about what, what God is like. And that, that could line up with John chapter 12. Uh, I think it's verse 24 where Jesus says, uh, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, right? It's not going to be, it's not going to be multiplied. It's not, it's not going to grow. Like that's, that's the destiny of the seed to be multiplied over and over time. And in that case, in that scenario, what Jesus would be saying is, I walked your path, your, your hard, difficult path. I walked that Via Dolorosa carrying your cross to Calvary, your sins on my back. And I took your thorns. They were woven into a crown and pushed down onto my head. And I was buried underneath your rocks when I sacrificed my life. Not for my sins, but for your sins. And that grain of wheat fell to the ground and died. Why? So that the life of Jesus could be multiplied in us 10, 50, 100, 1,000 fold so that our hearts and our lives could become good, rich soil. 
for God to grow, to be transformed. Listen, it is not too complex. You can read it. You can know it. You can, you can understand um, how to be, and you can know what to do. Read it in. Pray it up. Live it out. Let's pray together. Father, um, thank you for your word, for the blessing it is to our hearts. And God, there are people who are here today who are looking for hope, who are looking for peace, who, God, are looking for a sense of joy. And those things, God, we find the foundations of those things in your voice to us, in your word. Will you help us lean on it? Help us go to it. Help us to do the parts we do understand and let go of the parts that we don't. People who are here today, God, have, um, have experienced great loss this week. We have people who are grieving here this week. Certainly, God, people from further away, people in, in places like Uvalde, places like Ukraine, are grieving incredible loss. And so, God, in the midst of all those situations and circumstances, we have to run to you, your, your own. Apostle Simon Peter said, where else can we go? Because you alone have the words of eternal life. Thank you, God, that you have bent yourself to communicate to us, to show us, to sacrifice, to make a way for us. Help us, God, not to settle for some mediocre version of faith. You are the God who does the impossible. We trust that. We believe that. Help us live in it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.